Welcome back to Trip Talk Tech. We got a special show for you today. We're going to get to the technology, but we got a show filled with some just mental health, some self-healing today uh, that we'll, we'll get from our guest, who is uh, just a talented entertainer, broadcast journalist, radio podcast hoster himself, motivational speaker, author, and for me, I like to say where we're now because he popular as I don't know what licensed therapist and that's why we picked him to come on the show today. Please help me welcome my guy Rashad Bowtie Mills to the show, man. How you doing? I'm blessed. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Man, all of all of those kind words that you said about me, I gotta go back and look at my resume and make sure they are real. <laughs> make make sure I ain't doing no fibbing, huh? Yeah. Hey, it's a, it's our thing with with trip talk trip talk tech uh you know when we get our our our, our guests on we we like to just you know show love and, and, and give you roses while you're here and, and and one of the reasons like i was saying we we got a mutual friend uh shout out to jay uh but we were talking about you and your name came up and and, and one thing I, I i do remember and, and I, I watch you from afar obviously we don't hang out every day but uh just the work you've done in the community the the, the community work with the youth um you know i i you know i was kind of heavy into that myself but you just at the rec levels um coming up with the boys in sports and then just at the education level teaching them uh boys and girls uh and then just the therapy piece behind that so just salute to you brother for that and then i say what you do for the world and, and i say world from a standpoint of i've been watching you on facebook i think we've been friends for a while now and you just stay consistent showering us with with love and, and love from a standpoint of you know you got your own show like i mentioned in the introduction you know uh on tuesdays you got the rashad mill shows at seven o'clock and then you come and hit us with the love on thursday you know the therapy thursdays and then you hit us on friday with the happy hour you know some nuggets in there for just to make us smile and get ready for the weekend and then you come back and show love to you know some of the the, the, the black business owners uh on sunday uh, so again, just giving from your heart. I know sometimes with being a leader, you know, you don't always get that, you know, head nod or that that thank you. But just just, just from our community, I, I know that that stuff is selfless. I know that takes some time, and I I know it takes a lot of work. You could probably get paid for some of that stuff, but just again from our community, and just just thanking you, man, and and, and just you know, salute. No, I, I truly appreciate it, man. It's like um, it's one of those things that sometimes when you're in the midst of doing things, you don't really understand the impact of it um, that it has on other people. And um, one of my the greatest quotes that I've ever heard, right? You know, I'm a sports guy, I love sports. Had I, mm -hmm. you know, being sports journalism, which is Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson, okay. for everything that we know that he's done, right, integrating Major League Baseball. Um, when I think of him now, I think of this quote, and it said, a life is not important except the impact that it has on other lives. And it's really not what we do, you know, feel like we do for ourselves, but it's really the impact that it has on somebody else's life, right? And not to go too far off, but when we look at sort of, you know, influencers and, and celebrities, and I hate to use that term, but when we look at these people, right, you see the passing of Nipsey a few years ago, and we see the passing of Kobe last year, it was like, wow, they impacted so many other people True. and that's what made them great i mean they were great in their respective crafts but more importantly they impacted other people you know that you had whole communities that hated each other in la <laughs> gang members like coming together 
um, you know, for this brother's funeral. So, yeah, it's really important that we, we try to live our lives from a selfless perspective, um, which is hard because, you know, I've been that guy, like, it got caught up in myself. Mm -hmm. um, and if my wife tell it, <laughs> I'm still caught up in myself. <laughs> but, yeah, we try to live from, you know, this other perspective and really, um, really help people and ask ourselves, like, when I pass, like, what is that legacy that I'm leaving on the world? Now, I don't know if you remember this, Rashad, but uh, our first kind of real running every day seeing each other was actually at work at Americs about, I'd say, 22 or so years ago. All right, see, yeah, 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 I pulled that one wow. out. <laughs> yeah, right, a long time ago. And, and like I said, the, the person you are today, like I said, just from afar, it's just like, obviously, just a bunch of growth. Um, but from that, I guess, can you go into that a little bit? How did you go from Americ? See, even when I was at Americ, I was kind of in technology, but you know, it's like Americ to where you are now and the things that you're doing now. I know that had to be a journey, like, you know, yeah. what that look like? Here's the funny thing. Wow, Americ, that is yeah. a long yeah. time ago. That is a different version of Rashad too. So number one, um, <laughs> because that is a completely different version of the guy you're talking to. That was the Rashad that um was literally at the happy hour and i'll get the you know now real quick before you get in your story that rashad and it's funny me and, me and jay was talking about this he said he said yo y'all used to work together at america so i was like i remember the face or whatever i was like he was like and we literally hung out all the time but you and rashad were literally the same people so y'all just didn't like each other's pain <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's that's a beautiful thing, though. It's growth. It's all in the growth. Exactly. Like, I was a different guy back then. Me but too. I think looking back at Americs, I think I was um, got out of Americs uh, just based on at that time, man, I was like literally going through a dark place in my life before I got connected, you know, um, with Americs. Kind of job hopping, really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be in life. And I just applied, um, saw Jason out there. I'm like, this is a great fit for me. But Americs is sort of a part of Rashad because it always gave me the opportunity to talk and speaking is my gift. So I had the opportunity for seven, eight hours a day to talk to people about, you know, trying to consolidate debt and credit and things of that nature. But it was just talking to people. And that was my gift. And to be honest with you, while I was working out Americs, I knew that I always knew it before then, but I had a gift to gab. And that gift actually kept me out there probably longer than what I should have been, right? <laughs> I was supposed to be fired about two years prior. And and the fact, I'm, I'm dead serious, but the fact that they love me and I can kind of maneuver my way around and I understood who really liked me and had my back. Um, Americs was like a great fit for me. And the thing about Americs that I really love that it gave me opportunity to talk to people. Um, my supervisors always liked me and it gave me flexibility. So while I was out of Americs and I was still partying and drinking and being a wild guy, I was still able to to finish school like Americs was instrumental in me graduating from Morgan State University. My supervisors have no idea, but they would always allow me to change my schedule. And they knew if it was school related. Hey, Rashad, go, go, you go. go do school. This is much more important than where you're at now. So um, that was really, really helpful because without having certain supervisors there, it would have been much harder for me to graduate much harder. <laughs> that's dope now after that you, you like you said you got into sports casting i heard I, I heard you was like the local stewart scott before stewart scott was stewart hey. scott 
And put it this way, Stuart Scott and Stephen A. Smith, people would always joke that I'm like their love child, right? So <laughs> when I left Americs in, um, or when Americs said, Rashad, this time, you got to go. Like, because I had like checked out um, probably six months before they had to let me go. And I walked in one day um, and I got a call um, from a place out in Oregon and okay. said, hey, we want you to come out here to be a sports broadcaster. So we're talking 2000 and six right 2005 2006 and at that time it was no instagram so they can just go onto my ig page and see that oh this kid can kind of do his thing it was like the vcr tapes so i had oh, made a tape i was interning at fox 45 i made a tape i'm camden yards right um went down there interviewed some of the players did sort of my little reel and i sent it to different places across the country so oregon said hey come on out here and when oregon gave me the nod to come on out like Americs was like, it was a no brainer. Like I, I didn't have anything left in me. It was like, man, I'm done. So I went out to Oregon from 2006 to 2008. Um, and for two years, you know, had amazing opportunity to be in a completely different environment, experience different people. Um, and to be honest with you, it was like a culture shock coming from Baltimore, I'm sure. you know, going out to Oregon and so many things that were ingrained in me as a Baltimore guy. I had to kind of unlearn, like, like this isn't the culture that we live here. This is the right. norm for everybody. Like, <laughs> I'm talking, like, Keith, I'm talking. I know exactly what you said. In 2007, people not locking their door. Oh. And I'm like, what, what is this about? No, <laughs> you know, we don't have break-ins. I'm like, well, you don't? Do you have robberies? Do you have shootings? No, no, we won't. And I was like, wow, it, it's just different. People were friendly. People would speak to me. And I was like, when people would speak to me on the streets, I was like taken aback. I'm like, are you trying to, you know, set me Rob, up? Set me up. Like, that's, that's what it was. Like, you know, in Baltimore, if somebody speaks, it's like, mm, I'm going to keep my arm. So it was different. It was like a, an amazing experience. Yeah, so I did that um, for two years. And then um, I don't want to get too far. I don't know what your next question is, but I came back under um, not ideal conditions, right? I had a DUI. Okay, okay. And um, Oregon said... Look, we love you, Rashad. We love everything that you do, but it became too taxing for them because when you're in a low market TV station, mm -hmm. you are what they call a one man, uh, one man band. So I would go out to you. So, so for instance, I would go out to the high schools. I would shoot the footage. I would come back. I would edit the footage. I would write my script. And without having a license, my co my colleagues, they had to take me around to these places. And it was like they only had a limited number of cars and it was like it became too much. So they let me go um and then i came back to baltimore i want to say it was in 2008 but i want to say maybe like the beginning of the summer in 2008 and i came back and i came back man and i was like it wasn't good my mom was like man i had worked so hard to get to this place i had grinded you know morgan state internships and i go out here and i blew it um and i came back and i was dejected and i had no idea what i would do i tried to get back into sports broadcasting but I just couldn't break back in. So um, that was a wild experience. That was a wild experience for me. Now, how did you deal with that? Like uh, like you said, when you, you're back home, I, I think we all go through that sometimes where we have these dreams and sometimes it seems as if what we wanted to do got snatched from us. You know, how do you move on from that? How did, how did you move on from that? To be honest with you, I didn't do it in a very healthy um, way. Like, so okay. the thing that ended the relationship with Oregon, I went right back to it. So I came back home and, you know, I was jobless working odds and in jobs. And I just started going back to partying and drinking, partying and drinking. 
So I didn't handle it in a, in a very healthy way at all. Um, and it just, you know, it was this thing. Now, as a therapist, I'm always kind of laughing. I said, God, you really have a sense of humor. Somebody that had, you know, some challenges. And now I'm helping other people with their challenges. But I didn't handle it in a healthy way at all. I immediately came back and, and started drinking. I mean, I'm talking like when I got off the plane, mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt like I was right back in somebody's, you know, liquor store buying you know, alcohol and drinking because I didn't know any other way to kind of handle it. And mentally I was so torn up that I had worked this hard to leave Baltimore only to come back. Like mm-hmm. in my brain was like a failure. I had failed, felt like myself, failed family members. Um, in actuality, that was my line of thinking that I had failed other people. They didn't view it that way. And, but I had viewed it that way. And so I just went back to, to like, oh, what you do. yeah, to drinking and uh, probably drinking more then um than what i had left because i was drinking now out of just frustration anger sadness you know I'm, I'm mad at everybody um and i had no reason to be mad at people but really i had to be mad at myself and that's the way that i kind of cope with it understood it is it, we hear all the time and you said it and you know your health is you know your wealth and things like that when you hear that i hear that a lot and it's health as well health as well what is how do you define mental health and wellness oh that's a good question so mental health um and that is a great question so when mental health i'm gonna give you a very easy way of looking at it when people think about health right we always think about going to a doctor whether there's a need or there is just simply a checkup Mm -hmm. um you know I, i was hooping and twisting my ankle well i need to go to a doctor just to make sure it's not more serious than what it is right Oh, I'm going to a doctor just for a checkup. That is the same thing as it relates to mental health. Mental health is if I have a serious issue, I'm going because there is a need there that needs to be addressed or I can go for a checkup. And for some reason, I think now society has become a lot better in understanding that mental health is just that is the health of your mind. In essence, that's a layman's definition. It's the health of your mind. You go to a doctor, there's a need and then you'll go just um, proactive or preventive measure. The same mm-hmm. with mental health, right? And so you said mental health and then wellness. And wellness. To me, mm-hmm. I don't think that you can be well if your mental health isn't right. True. It to me, Gosh. like, so the, the brain starts everything, right? Mm-hmm. So yep, if yep. I'm not well in that area, I don't know that I can be completely well in other areas. I think it's impossible. Now, when you said that, so you, you, you had that event, you came home, obviously your, your, your mental health or your wellness wasn't there. Again, how did it turn around to come to therapy, being a therapist? Woo, man, it, it was a long road. So um, I went into Baltimore City Schools. Um, I have a cousin who's the principal at one of the local schools. She said, why don't you try to be a substitute teacher? And to be honest with you, I laughed at that idea because the school, right. you know, I gave substitute teachers I gave them the all business. The yeah, I gave them the business. And that's a nice way of saying it. I was a substitute teacher. And at that time, you know, I was still full of myself. Man, I'm too slick to be a substitute teacher. But then I was like, well, Rashad, you're broke. You have no money. <laughs> so I walked into this, this school at the end of the year, and um, I really fell in love with the kids. Mm-hmm. Really fell in love with the kids. And they said, hey, you know what? We'll bring you on next year. All right, cool. No problem. So the start of the next year, um, I'm a substitute teacher at Mount Royal Elementary Middle School in West Baltimore. And before I know it, one of the teachers got sick and they said, hey, Mills, do you want to be a paraeducator? What is a paraeducator? So it's a teacher assistant. 
And before I knew it, I had this class because this uh, young lady was out most of the year, most of the year with an illness. And okay. I have this class. I am not a certified teacher. So I am literally figuring this teaching, quote unquote, teaching thing out throughout the whole year. And there was so many ups and downs, but it was really fun. And it was a story that that will forever um, be like relevant in my life. It was a young man and um, I know his name, remember his name, never will forget it, but I can't say it. And he was just really smart, really smart, mm -hmm. he was really sarcastic. And he was sharp and witty. And my brain always said, Rashad, that's a younger version of you. I mean, he was sarcastic. He was like on it. Mm -hmm. and one day I had pulled him aside in the library. We were walking down the hall and he said something completely, you know, out of the way to the teacher. And I pulled him out, you know, outside of the line. And I said, man, why do you do some of the things that you do? And he said, well, Mr. Mills, my brain tells me to do the right thing, but I always do the opposite. Wow. And that line, that was my thought. It was a wild moment. It never left me. And I said, well, I have to help these kids from a different level. So I applied uh, for Teach for America, the program, and I knew I was a shoe-in, right? I'm a shoe-in. I'm a black guy, college degree, you know, they need more male teachers. I'm a shoe-in. Definitely, I'm in here. They rejected me. And Ooh. I couldn't figure out why. And it was like, it was a hard blow. But after he said that, my brain is said, you know, how else can I reach these kids? And I was talking to different people in the school, and they said, well, have you thought about being a, um, a therapist? Right. A therapist that works in schools. And so now I don't want to be a therapist. It's not for me. So I started to kind of research it a little more and, you know, research and research. And before I know it, um, I applied at Johns Hopkins. <clears throat> I said, I'll give it a shot. And it just and in my brain, you know, being raised in Baltimore, I always equated Hopkins with being the hospital or, you know, this really rich, ritzy school. And I was <clears throat> like, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to get into Hopkins. Hopkins said, you're in. Hopkins, Come on down. <laughs> Hopkins said you're in. And I was just like, wow, Johns Hopkins accepted me. And from there, it was like this love of therapy. And at that time, I'm still working with kids and I'm starting to see I can much better reach them from the perspective of a therapist. And and I'm not fully licensed at this point, but from this perspective of therapy, as opposed to just teaching ABCs, one, two, threes to give them a different perspective. And it just grew and grew. And then eventually, you know, um, you know, every place that I was at internships, Baltimore City Juvenile Justice Center, um, interning at um, while I was in Hopkins, I had a great experience, man. I actually uh, was working at the women's prison in Jessup. And okay. that sort of I fell in love with this dynamic of working with people that are incarcerated. So um, it just kind of blossomed from there, but not in a million years, I would have thought that I would have went from wanting to be a teacher to therapy. Not in a million years. Not in a million years? No. <laughs> you know, I, I, I personally actually, and that's why this subject for me is, is kind of close to home. You know, I, I started my own, you know, journey and just getting some healing, you know, just, just some mental healing, some things, you know, you, you, you get some depression going on. You don't want to kind of get out of bed. You, you, everybody thinking your life is so great, but you feel like it's just not all of that. And what I realized is what you said a little bit earlier too, about uh, a lot of the stuff is internal, right? A lot, a lot of the things are yeah. uh, uh, things you've been fighting since childhood that that's just, again, we, we 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 seen a lot of trauma, right? And just growing up in Baltimore, and we just don't realize we take it in, and it's just like you said, everyday things. But um, it took me, I know, a long time to start. It took me a while to 
to I knew what I needed to do or wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just like, uh, or, you know, intake come. That's three hours. Oh, no, I'm not doing that now. You know, <laughs> you, you just, you, 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 you're so quick to run away from it. And the question for you is, like, what do you see uh, as those major barriers in people that, especially, I, I, I don't want to classify just minorities, but, you know, especially with minorities, like, when looking to get help like that, why, why are we... You know, what's that mental barrier you see always stuck there for mental health? That could be a show in itself. So (laughs) it really could be, right? Number one, it's going to be trust. Particularly for minorities, we have trust issues. We have trust issues um, within our own community and then outside of our community. So let's personalize it, right? For two guys like Mm -hmm. yourself being raised in when we had interaction with people that weren't Black, they were police officers and they were teachers. That was ex- the extent of it. And both of those positions are positions of what? Authority power. Right? Mm-hmm. and power. Exactly. So I'm not going to be very trusting of you. And number one, that's so trust is number one, right? Along with trust, mm-hmm. relatability. Can I relate to you? How mm-hmm. can I relate to you? You didn't grow up in the environments that I did. I don't know that you can even relate to me. So why would I sort of spill my business? Tell my life story to you and you can't relate to me. Right. So those are two major things. The third one is um, it's still a stigma. Crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it what it is and use the Baltimore vernacular. If we had told somebody when we were younger, man, I'm going to therapy. My mom, you know, is making me go to therapy. It would have been, yo, you crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the vernacular that we would have heard. And for Mm -hmm. somebody young who's still developing mentally, that wouldn't have been a good thing. That would have been damaging. Would we have been, you know, laughed at by our friends? Some of our friends would have joked us, you know, nonstop. Yo, crazy. Yo, crazy. And I hate to say it in that way, but that's. No, no that's how they say it. That's what is the reality. And as we got older, it's like, okay, so it's stigma, right? And then as you get older, it's like, well, time, as you said it, right? I have my own family now. Do I have time to go to therapy? And in actuality, we do, but. We would self-sabotage a lot of therapeutic beginnings because we didn't want to go in the beginning. Oh, well, she said the appointment is at eight o'clock on a Monday. Now I got to watch Monday Night Football, right? <laughs> She's talking about Friday at five o'clock. Now I'm going out to happy hour or Wednesday. I got to go to the gym. It, so it, it's so many things. It's stigma. And then another thing is money. True, true. Money, like a lot of us, you know had these jobs when we were younger we didn't have access to to quality premium health care right and therapy you know depending where you go therapy can be an expense albeit it's a very needy expense Mm -hmm. Um, but we wouldn't have viewed it that way so those things are some of the biggest ones but if i had to name two trust and relatability i'm not going to you know um some some white person tell them my problems i don't trust them nor they can't relate to me Exactly. And, and, and like you said, that they some big things, you know, even like trust. Right. How do you uh, I think that was a, that was one for me. How do you what do you tell, I guess, you know, clients that may have been incarcerated before or abused by the system in some way? It's kind of hard to trust to your point. If, if I get yanked up by police because I'm walking down the street, but then, you know, you know, the same kind of if let's say to your point, I don't have business, I don't have insurance from work. I, you know, I, I use, you know, insurance, state insurance. Mm-hmm. 
you know these are the same people now that's going to help me mentally but abuse me over here and here how do, how, do, how do you you know what advice do you give for people that that kind of get caught in that mental situation with the trust that, that's a great question so this is what i would and that happens a lot to be honest with you and i tell people what's the opposite of not giving it a try and then most people will say well Rashad, i remain at the same place and then i'll ask them tell me how that place feels and most of them will say man it sucks i, I want mm-hmm. to get to a different place so i would say in order to get to a different place you have to allow yourself to do this most of us as it relates to therapy we operate like this mm-hmm. got it right mm-hmm. and in order to grow and move forward you can't do it like this i got to do it like this so release the guard and move forward and give it an opportunity because if not you can remain guarded but that issue that you want to work through it's always going to remain there so the opposite of not trusting is staying stuck and here's the thing if your will to be unstuck is strong enough you will do this and it may be slowly and for most Mm -hmm. of us it's going to be slowly particularly for men of color it's going to be it's you might drop and then put it back up, right? <laughs> and you keep doing it. And yeah. You better have that maintenance. And, right. And listen, you, we may do this for a while. We may set appointments, talk to somebody. And then eventually some things happen where we'll drop the gun. And it was like, all right, we, we eventually got to go. Yeah, we, we eventually got to go. And like you said, the, the the stigma I think is huge. Not just the stigma, like you said, of kids, right? They, they, they're they abusive, right? You're crazy, you this, you that. But even the stigma, I would say within family, I like I said, I know, you know, just going down this journey and, and I, you, you got to come to some realizations, you know, with yourself, you know, with your past. And, and sometimes that might might take some conversations. But what I notice, you know, yeah, you might be ready on that journey, but you go back to, say, the family with some of those conversations. Everybody's not ready for that. Like you said, that stigma still there of, well, you should be okay just you know you, you keep your head forward don't worry about it and it's like okay but you know i got kids 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 you know i i, I just want to get them the same tools that you know maybe we missed a couple generations yeah so i'm glad you mentioned that it's not only this um stigma from like outside our communities outside of the house and when i say communities maybe it's guys that we play basketball with guys we went to school with or um other communities outside of the house it's the main community that helped shape us and mold us inside of our house right we, we're young and we go to imagine you go to your parent mom i'm interested in going to therapy right a lot of times what happens to be honest with you your parents may not really be 100 percent approving of that because guess what they may think in therapy some of their stuff is going oh, to come out right and be highlighted so they may not necessarily be an advocate of therapy. And then again, they may have never been exposed to therapy. So they don't know what that process looks like. They don't know, um, they don't know everything about that. They, they can't direct you to a therapist. They can't tell you how to navigate connected with a therapist financially because they've never done it. So that's mm-hmm. why right now, right, man, it makes my heart so happy to see sort of the space that we're going in terms of therapy that it's not as taboo. It's still taboo for some. <laughs> There's still a huge stigma, but I'm starting to see, and again, I hate to use this term, celebrities or influencers use their power. To, man, I'm in therapy right now. I love like, you know, the NBA. I'm still follow sports, right? To see <laughs> guys um, that played in the bubble. Man, this, this yeah. 
anxiety producing. I was depressed being in the same spot, not being able to go. Kyrie Irving, right? I took mm-hmm. games off to protect my mental health. I mean, one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. And I like the direction that we are going when we see people talking about um, mental health more and more because we do need to pull this, this stigma down. So maybe the next generation of Rashad's and the Keith's, they was, mom, hey, I'm, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling that way. You know, do you, do you know of a therapist? Right. What would that do for generations and households? It's a game changer. My way game changer. Even, even in a, like you said, what does it do for household? What what I learned through the process is it's just forgiveness, right? Like you said, as as a man, it's it's kind of hard to go, like you said, through this period because here is about vulnerability, mm-hmm. and the vulnerability is that you know you got to be real with your own wounds, and, and and that sometimes, like again, it, for me, it just forgiveness was big because you understand that what was pitched on to me was probably pitched and pitched and pitched from years and years and hopefully again we can do that breakage where again we we break that 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 stereotype of of that stigma and and, and hopefully you know get the families back healed again mm-hmm. yep yeah man yeah that that's crazy but now like with people when they when they when they thinking about you know therapy or mental health and they don't really know where to go at or or how to start what what would you suggest like where 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 are places you know people can kind of look listen most not 99.9 Americans have a cell phone right mm-hmm. grab your cell phone go to some sort of search website or search engine therapist near me start there and i know that sounds really simplistic at its core mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. great place to start most of us have our phones in our hand i don't know or 80 percent of the time right start mm-hmm. there then right ask people in your in your circle ask people in your circle and the reason why i said ask people in your circle second and go mm-hmm. with your phone first because again we just talked about it with no if nobody in your circle has experienced therapy then that may not be the best avenue because you can quickly be get uh, quickly become i should say frustrated really i'm I'm frustrated i've asked five people man you know a therapist man, i ain't going to know therapy i've never been to therapy but guess what if i grab my phone you know hey siri find the therapist near me she's really serious checking it out she already got you with five and, and to your point you already probably looking for a way out so if your friends tell you no you're gonna go with them <laughs> and the thing about it if you just grab your phone and look um you can find um therapists that you feel are a good fit for you right so many of the clients that you know go to the website of the practices i'm involved in they will read something about me man this resonated with me sort of in my little bio some of them do that due diligence to a whole nother degree and they'll google me oh man you know what you're a good fit for myself my wife my family right so people are going to find this connection if they find that i can connect with keith i read his bio something about his picture if i feel like i connect with him then that's going to lead me to him and when people just search you can search and scroll through pages and pages of therapists and whoever you feel like is a good fit. And I'll say this, I always tell people, 
think of therapists as no different than you think a fast food restaurant. And people think, Rashad, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Therapists, are, if you don't like Burger King fries, drive five minutes, it's Chick-fil-A. If you don't like Chick-fil-A's fries, it's five minutes down the road, you can get McDonald's. It's gotcha. the same relates with the therapist, right? It's whatever is your preference. Okay. It's, what, it's a preference-oriented thing. And most therapists, if you go to a, a website, I mean, they're going to have a bio. Do you connect with them? Was it a line in there that maybe they are Christian? They love God. Oh, I, I want a Christian-oriented therapist. Maybe you you want a therapist that is um, non-religious. Maybe this therapist indicated something in their bio. So it's just different ways to connect. But just literally start by, start by grabbing your phone um, and find therapists near me. Um, and you can be very specific. Find black male therapists near me. Find white female therapists near me. Um, and for p- people of color, you know, you, you have, um, man, you have, uh, uh, Jesus, this slipped my mind. It just slipped my mind. Um, you have uh, different sites. Uh, let me actually, as we talk, I'll, I'll, I'll get them. Um, I don't want to botch them, but it's so many of them um, specifically for people. Cool. And, and like you said, basically, it's about, and I think the gist of what you're saying is find somebody you feel comfortable talking to. Mm-hmm. Somebody you don't mind telling your story and being honest about your story because without the honesty, it's kind of hard to, to, to start the healing. Yep. Now, from a technology, because you pulled out the phone, so that's a good tie into the technology piece. How how is technology helping you, kind of in your practice? Is it is it helping you make it better? Are you reaching more people? Or like I said, I know on Facebook, I, I I do get a lot of your interactions and 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 things like that. How's technology helping you out in what you're doing now with the therapy? Oh man, greatly. Um, and real quick, I wanted to to um to give you so it's therapyforblackmen.org. You know, family. okay listening therapyforblackmen.org is a great space and then um therapyforblackgirls.com so therapyforblackmen.org and then therapyforblackgirls.com so therapy um and technology has been great it has absolutely been great for me so when the pandemic really took you know full swing um it was like new for everybody right i was a part of a two different practices the practice that i'm a part of now and another practice and they were just, everybody was just figuring it out. How do we do therapy virtually? I mean, it's been in existence, but not to this extent. Um, and the, the practice that I'm no longer a part of, you know, they had an app and it was just bad. It was just, and again, it's not a fault of them, but they were just figuring it out. And it was an app that was bad. And sometimes I couldn't see the people and couldn't hear the people. So that was kind of rough. And then I feel like maybe in like in April and May, it started to smooth out um, a lot more and it became really simple. Hey. This thing that's been in existence for years, people have been using it, you know, sporadically Zoom. Mm-hmm. Zoom mm-hmm. link, clients click on the link, you know, hit a few buttons where they can see you, you can see them, and it's just been great. Now, the connection between therapy and uh, technology has been so great that therapists mm-hmm. have access now to see more people than ever. And why? Because there, I have clients keep literally on their lunch breaks, they can run out to their car grab their phone, they click on the Zoom link, and I have access to seeing them. Maybe that wasn't the case before, right? I have mm-hmm. access to start my sessions early in the morning. Why? Because I'm waking up and I'm walking to, you know, my makeshift office, <laughs> you know, in my residence, and I get to see more people. So for therapists, the average therapist, I would imagine, has probably been able to see uh, 
if I had to take a guess, I would say maybe 30 to 50 percent more clients wow. than before. Because why? We're not traveling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you, go ahead. I'm sorry, not not to cut you off, but that's a good point. Are you seeing actually more? I know you're seeing more because your schedule is open, but is it more of an influx because of COVID and just people? Oh, without question. without question. Um, last year was by far the best year of my life as a therapist in terms mm -hmm. of clientele. I mean, it was, in, I tell my wife this all the time, like I'm so blessed because I've had more client requests than I have time to actually see them. And COVID, it's been a part of that. Now, think about this. If I've had some issues anyway, and I've been able to sort of mask those issues with these other distractors, you know, I can go out drinking every week. I can go out, you know, um, on all these other things like, you know, I can go the gym is a healthy distraction, but sometimes it's a distraction for a bigger issue. I can go out and kind of set some of my issues away. I can do this, that and the third. Now it's like, no, a lot of these things shut down. I'm in the house and I got to deal with these issues like I can't run from them. And I'm in the house all the time. Nothing is open. But Target and Walmart is like, let me call this therapist. And now <laughs> I don't have the time to sort of lie and say, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. How you do? You're not driving, you know, to and from work. So that 45 minute time that it takes to commute, you can call the therapist, complete an intake. The next week you're seeing the therapist. The time mm -hmm. that you're driving home, now that's dedicated to seeing a therapist for 45, 60 minutes. So it's really been a blessing for therapists um, in a weird way. And I use that term very loosely, but COVID has been a blessing because why? Now more people are really faced with the issues and they're confronting them more and more and more, um, particularly anxiety. Anxiety has been like, it's been off the charts for a lot of people. People losing jobs, they're losing yeah, it's, family it's members. Just Right, it's yeah. the uncertainty of everything. We talk about you know losing family members, grief and loss issues, right? Um, mm -hmm. Navigating the world that I'm at home working and my kid is at home working. Right. I never That's thought about so many issues. If I didn't like my husband or my wife, I can start working <laughs> escape from them for eight hours. Now they I can look at this rascal for 10 hours. Man, I need couples therapy. <laughs> so it's I mean, it's it's something that has really forced us to re-examine ourselves and our stuff to a much greater degree. I mean, it really has. Now I do the same teller um you know, health thing with, with the therapy, I, I guess with that, do you feel as a, from a therapist side, do, is it about the same interaction if they were sitting on a couch or sitting in your office or is uh, personal still kind of? That's a good question. So as a part of me as a therapist, I do like those intimate settings because I, I refer to myself as like a body language therapist. Okay. When I'm in therapy with a client, there's a lot of things that I say, you know, I may ask a question, and I'm paying attention to the body language okay. of the client. Now, those very, I guess, small nuances, I don't have access to do virtually, but, you know, I've, I've adjusted to it. Now, if I had my preference one way or the other, it's, it's like it would be splitting heads because I do like to see my clients face to face. But again, in this virtual world, I'm able to service more clients. But there are some things that, um, you know, virtually you, you miss out on. And for me, it's like, body language um i can sense certain things like if a client if i ask him a question and we're going down a a really deep place i can you know i've seen clients like picking their nails and that would let me know wow this is 
you know, this, this I mean, is something that they yeah, don't feel comfortable with tapping right. the feet. Right. And you can't necessarily see that mm. virtually. Um, mm. So it, it's kind of split down the middle for me. Now, is it a is it a software or technology out there? Somebody can create that'll make it like, you know, this taking the whole therapy game to the next level or Zoom and those guys, they're pretty good with the video conferencing. Zoom is really good. I mean, right. Zoom is really good. You know, you have the option. Now, I have some clients, to be honest with you, um, that they never turn on their video. Okay. I've had clients that I worked with for six months. They weren't comfortable. Right. Okay. I've had clients that um, didn't know how to turn on the video. And that, listen, totally okay with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but now, to kind of go back to the, the, the previous question, for some clients who are still working their way into therapy, it does allow them not to be as vulnerable as I would like because they can kind of hide behind technology. Okay. okay. They don't have to show their face. They can, they can keep the camera off or they can. Yeah. And a lot of times they may be hiding something that in the office, obviously they couldn't hide that it would be important for a therapist to see. Gotcha. So that's yeah. it. Zoom is good. And there's some other ones, but I, I mean, I, I really like Zoom. To be honest with you, it's pretty easy, and I'm not the greatest um, tech guy. So it's it's click on the link, click audio, to go. and bam, <laughs> yeah. So therapist, y'all better get a Zoom package. Y'all heard it from the man. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> to circle back around, so the point don't get lost, man. If if what are some telltale symptoms, right? Like, what if I'm walking around and again for me the awareness came just after some reading and kind of just doing a lot of listening like i said maybe checking in on your show every now and again listening to some symptoms but what what are some things maybe people can pay attention to that like hey you know what it might it might be time for me to go go this route or or you know because again it, it, we, we we men right we always shove it off to uh, i'll be all right or, you know it's not that bad you know, when is that 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 weird window where we where we might want to start doing some self care? Great question. So here's what I will respond to that, and this is my response every time I hear that question: time, duration, and frequency. Grad school professor told me that, and it has never left my mind. So, mm -hmm. how much time are you impacted by whatever? So if it's thoughts, how much time? If it's behaviors, the duration of it, how long does it last? Does Keith realize that, you know, man, every day for an hour, I have these really negative thoughts. I don't feel like that I'm good enough or I have thoughts for an hour every day that I don't know what I want to do with the next phase of my life. And it really weighs down on me heavily. Right. Time, duration and frequency. How often do these things happen? So the reason why I like that so much is we can wake up one day and say, you know what? I don't feel good about myself today. Does that mean I need to go see a therapist? Not necessarily. But if right? That thought is there. It feels like every other day and it's lingering and I can't concentrate and my level of functioning is impacted. Like I can't be the best father that I need to be because I'm thinking about, man, I don't really feel good about myself. If it's impacting areas of my life, then those are signs that I need to go and potentially see somebody. So time, duration, and frequency, not every thought that you have um, that you produce throughout the course of the day is enough that you should be sitting in front of a therapist, not every thought. But again, a lot of us, and I would say most of us, we have, you know, reoccurring events and symptoms, ruminating thoughts, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, reoccurring behaviors, and it happens so much, but we have normalized them to the point that it's like, oh, okay, this is normal. But again, time, duration, and frequency, right? I don't believe that somebody wakes up overnight. I mean, wakes up, you know, from last night, and it's like, oh man, I, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. No, those symptoms that produce that anxiety, they have been there, but you have just shoved them off in a closet and closed that closet door. And now you're so comfortable, you never want to open up that door. But yeah, you need to go see somebody. I didn't just wake up today and you were depressed. No, you were experiencing depressive symptoms for two years. The last two years, for example. So some <laughs> duration and frequency are the things that um, some of the, I guess, probing style questions I always ask people. How long? You know, um, has your appetite been affected? Has your sleep been affected? What's the quality of your relationships, your intimate relationships, your professional relationships. And then when people will talk, you ask these questions, people will talk and you'll find out, wow, you've been dealing with this three years, two years. Yeah, wow. it's been six months, but you just, again, shoved them off into this closet and, you know, never opened up that closet door. Time, duration and frequency, right? Time, duration and frequency. Yeah, I heard it from the man himself. Time, All right, what? What's up with my guy, Mr. Mills, going forward, man? Was 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 anything new popping off, or is it, is it just kind of just wow just on, on the grind? Um, grinding, definitely grinding, right? Um, again, seeing mm -hmm. seeing more clients than I've ever seen before. I'm um, trying to grow professionally, um, and grow professionally, kind of add some other classes and certifications so I can become even a better therapist. Currently in seminary school right now, um, which is interesting. Oh, to go back to school and turning in papers and studying and midterms that's 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 new for me because i haven't been in that direction a long time but um that's definitely new um so I'm, I'm doing that and just um staying motivated like really staying motivated as possible trying to be the best you know husband and father which is a daily you know challenge um for me yeah. and then uh working out working out is like my my sanity you know you know running with Rashad is running with Rashad. <laughs> That's like my weekly long run, and I kind of post to keep people in encouraging. Um, in the next probably no more than thirty days, I'll start training again for a fifty mile, fifty mile run. I trained for it last year and came up short, only forty miles. So that's that's on my list to complete this year. And Did y'all hear? That's only 40 miles. You know, you just threw that off there, Rashad. Like, we not, just running you know 40 miles. <laughs> Listen, I say that because I, you know, as a, somebody's a motivational speaker, I fell short. Mm -hmm. I fell short of my goal. I, I fell short, didn't plan, you know, properly that day. Hydration was a bunch of things. Um, so I have to complete it. It's, it's on my list. And um, I've gotten into this thing now. Um, I'm all about attacking your fears. So my wife and I, we are right now, we are more like rocks than Michael Phelps when it comes to swimming. Like we like <laughs> rocks. So um got this hey we, we're taking swimming lessons so that's what's up um this year i plan to snorkel a few times and get out of my comfort zone completely and then eventually looking towards next year um i want to start preparing myself training for a half an iron man um man, you, you sound like a therapist man that's that's the same thing you know facing those fears overcoming them and realize you get on the other side it's not even that bad man you was you was holding your life up for nothing attack them so like right now I, I'm, I can't even swim the length of a pool but you know what my brain is saying i'm gonna figure it out with some help and then why not snorkel why not jump into the ocean <laughs> like 
my, my hustle, like, hustle mentality. <laughs> like literally, we only have one life to live. And when I yeah. die, I always tell people now, especially in the last year and a half, I want to die empty. I do not want to be good 85, point. 90, however many years the good Lord allows me. Mm-hmm. And man, I should have. No, I, I don't want to have, I, I should have. So yeah, I'm going for it. I feel you on that. All right, man, as we wrap up, we ask all our guests this question and you know, yeah, you, you, you from the hood. So I know you're a sneaker hit. Favorite tennis shoes of all time, man. So listen, I am going to go and I have the fresh J's behind you. I <laughs> go in a direction that most people, it would be J's and Max 95. Although Air Max 95 will probably be second, but number one on my list. And this, some of the people listening may have to Google this. The Andre Agassi's. Let me tell you why. Okay, okay. You kind of had the fire on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let me tell you why. Growing up, my mom couldn't afford the freshest stuff. Just couldn't afford it. When I was able to work, I bought those Andre Agassiz for myself. And I went to Woodlawn High School that year, and I knew I was the freshest cat in the world. And I walked to the point that they were, like, so dirty. (laughs) It was done. Yeah. So the Andre Agassiz and the late um, Keon Carpenter, the late Keon mm. Carpenter, um, I had walked into a class that we had together. Um, and this was actually, so it's Andre Agassiz number one. And then mm-hmm. for me, it was Air Max 95. And then third on the list was, if you remember, the Chris Webbers with the straps. The I remember straps. the joint. They had, uh, did they have force on the strap? No, no, they, no, 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 they no, didn't no, have no, no, no. The black the and white. And when I walked into a class with the Keon, Michigan joints, the Michigan ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How did you get them? He was talking about the Chris Webbers. The, the up tempos. They were called up tempo. <laughs> but the Andre Agassiz, man, I knew I was the freshest cat in the world. I was modeling those shoes every day until the point they were just like so dirty. My mother was like, why don't you clean them? And I'm like, listen, listen, man. I'm going to wear these until I can't I, wear I, look, I worked all summer for these. <laughs> man, old country buffet and McDonald's. I know exactly which one. I, I, Route 40, Old Country Buffet, and I worked at two McDonald's, Security Boulevard, and the one that was closer to in the back of Woodlawn High School. So I had okay. three, three jobs, and my mother said, you want fresh tennis? Go get them. Okay, cool. No problem. Say less. Andre Agassiz. Yeah, Andre Agassiz. Strangely oh enough, and I just got to wrap up. Strangely enough, man, I only own one pair of J's. And I think it was the the Laney High School, the, the his high school oh, okay. I only own one pair of J's, and somebody stole them from a locker in the gym that I was working out in. So yeah, I only own one pair of J's. Yeah, my that's my story. I only had it. My my favorite is the Concrete Force, but because I couldn't afford it when I was young, and when I got that first job, actually, I think <laughs> I was probably a merch. <laughs> that's when i could get the money to buy jordan's ones or extra so yeah once, that I, was, that was, <laughs> once I got them look it's on once i got the money so yeah that's that's kind of um that's my story with tennis man andre agassi andre agassi i'm gonna yeah. have to find that one that's that's digging in the crates but i know digging exactly which one you're talking about classic. i remember the commercials for them <laughs> yeah classic the classic man I, I actually need to find them and buy them again Hey, look, there you go. Hey, look, they probably like a thousand dollars on stock X or something, don't I? <laughs> yeah, right now, because like they won't can't find them, man. They yeah. did stop. Mm-hmm. 
But cool, man. Hey, I appreciate you, Rashad. Like I said, just thank you for all of the information and nuggets for helping somebody. I know they probably watching this. I just hope that you got the information that you needed. We just, again, thank you again, brother, for the work that you do in the community, just all over. We appreciate your inspiration. I know I do when I speak for we. Uh, and just thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Man, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right, man. I'll catch up with you. Thanks, All right. Man. Have a good one. No Talk problem. Oh, thank you again.